0: Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale, or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi everyone, Kevin McDonald here. Um, Yeah, Rob said about, obviously, back in 2012... I found Progressive Property, having tried to do property for about 10 years before that and made every mistake possible. Lost a lot of money doing it incorrectly and came here in 2012, never left since. So learned how to do property, got coached myself, got mentored myself. And then in 2017, having built up my portfolio, came back to coach and mentor other people and to do what I had done. And um, when I came to Progressive back in 2012, 2013, I was in a pretty bad place. And a place where, anywhere I ever went for an answer, the people who gave me the answer was, well, rather than give me an answer to help me, they'd say, you shouldn't have done what you did. Why were you so foolish? Why did you make those mistakes? And they just basically hit me while I was down instead of giving me a hand up. And I didn't believe in myself, never mind if anybody else believed in me. And Rob Moore and Mark Homer believed in me, I guess, when nobody else did. And you hear a lot from Rob, but quite often you don't really see that much from Mark. He's not um as public he's not as much online rob's phone he's um rob's all over the internet you see rob all the time so i think it's really important today that we do see from mark homer and no better time than obviously on his birthday as well so by the way just in the chat who's never heard mark homer speak before who's never seen him speak before just give me a never in the chat box if you've never seen him speak before Hundreds of people are commenting saying they've never heard Mark Homer speak before. And Rob mentioned that Mark Homer is the brains behind progressive property. Um, and he literally is the brains behind progressive property. He is, Rob does loads, but in terms of the property business, progressive is much bigger than just property. But in terms of property business, and And with respect to Rob, Rob gives me loads of mentoring support, loads of advice on marketing and branding and podcasting and business building and growth and all this stuff. But if I've got a property investment question, if I've got a business question, Mark Homer is the guy I'm gonna go to. And there's literally, I've met thousands and thousands and thousands of people in business over the last 10 years and mark homer is right up there as my number one person that i would go to for advice so you're going to really love this the next two to three hours is going to be absolute gold dust so and um, if you've got questions as well if there's stuff you want to ask i've got a bunch of stuff i want to ask mark homer i've been waiting for this for a long time by the way i've got a load of questions that i want to ask him i want to dig into his brain as much as dig into his brain for you so but if you've got questions anything you want to know too then just let us know as we go through in the afternoon i'll keep an eye on the chat box and i'll ask questions for you guys as well so have a think at home any questions you want asked now if you ask questions and they disappear and i miss them because it's hundreds of people online just repost the question again and i'll spot it the next time because it goes crazy in the chat and i'll miss the question just give me a get it in the chat box if you get that and that's cool is mark ready what i'm going to do is introduce Mark Homer to you. This is a big, big moment, guys. I said, 17 years ago, him and Rob set up Progressive Property. 17 years ago, they met at a networking event with just about seven or eight people in the room, got talking to each other, started to do stuff together initially before setting up Progressive. And it's grown into one of the biggest property investment companies in the UK and the biggest property education company in the UK. So you're going to really love this. I'm really excited by it. Um, Mark Homer, everyone. Hello Kevin, how are you? Great. So we have got hundreds of people online Mark and I've just asked them how many of them have never heard from you before, never seen you speak before and it was literally, the whole thing nearly blew up, it was about 80% of people online. Wow. So um, yeah, he is literally the person that's hidden away and robs the front face of progressive. I've got loads of questions for you because I've been waiting to get into your brain for a long time Um, but first of all, everybody from home wants to, I know your birthday was a couple of days ago, but everybody from home wants to wish you a happy birthday. So um, can we all make him embarrassed first of all and go happy birthday in the chat box and mention that he's it's 34. Wow, they're all coming. Yeah, I'm 34. No, I'm 28. 28, Yeah, yeah, 28, 34. <laughs> I'm not sure if I got the numbers in the right order, but there was yeah, a three yeah. and a four in um, there somewhere. Well, yeah, it's, was it? yeah, yeah, it's probably more accurate. Yeah. So loads of happy yeah. birthdays coming. <laughs> Never had so many. Um, I'm going to hit you with a... a um, Big question, just to go with in terms of what was the biggest financial risk you ever took?
1: What, what was the biggest financial risk? Uh, God, I suppose um, our recent project. Um, I, I, you know, various sources. We we borrowed. You know, there was a first charge lender. There was our money. There was you know, sort of bits of other company money or whatever. You know, it was over well over ten million. We borrowed in total. Um, this
0: is the 99 apartments, Rob? Yeah,
1: yep. And, um, you know, we we started that project at the beginning of lockdown. Um, So uh, that felt particularly risky, but I was already in with the bank. So you can imagine, uh, I felt my balls were on the line. I think at one point, I think our monthly interest got up to something like 60 grand a month, um, which... um, 60 grand a month interest. That that focuses the mind, yeah. Had you...
0: On that building, obviously, lockdown came had you already purchased it before you knew there was a lockdown
1: absolutely i'd purchased yeah. it i think three four years before and got all the planning right. consents
0: and sold a bit off and done various things yeah right. yeah and then middle of the project lockdown
1: middle of the project lockdown um, and well it was sort of we were already a month in um, and we were building it ourselves. So, you know, there was a, a load of sort of work to do and lots of stuff to learn and new people to bring in, you know, drawing on mentors, drawing on, you know, professionals who, because that's what, it, you know, when you're doing something new and you you you're yeah. sort of building, you, you've turned yourself into a builder and you've got to fix this thing called lockdown, you've got to sort of learn new stuff, right? And so you get new people in, you get sort of professionals who know what they're doing, you get Sort of, uh, you know, people that have built buildings like that before, mentors, you know, people that can support you, you
0: know. Would you do it again?
1: Uh, I would do it again for the right deal. So uh, it's all about uh, these things are not widgets, are they? Yeah. You, you, you know, you're opportunity led, you find great stuff. Uh, like at the moment, you know, the the, the opportunities are appearing uh, in quite large numbers. Um, and um, as they appear, you take advantage.
0: What, when you talk mm-hmm. about opportunities appearing at the moment, yeah. so, um, Where do you think see the market going property wise in 2023 into 2024? Yeah,
1: so the market we all know is is very cyclical. So it goes up, it goes down um, and we've had a long period of growth Uh, really since 08. The market has grown all the way through most pretty much every year until the beginning of the pandemic, took a bit of a breather. We all thought it was going to drop, Boris pumped loads of money in and we had a bit more growth, but now the party's over. Property's falling. Um, you know, it's had a tough, I'd say at least 10-15% came out of it, I don't know, three, six months ago. Um, and, you know, vendors are in a very different position. So people selling their properties are much more motivated than they were. So we're in this period now where a lot less people want to buy, um, more people want to sell uh, relative to where we were, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, it feels like 2008, um, a little bit different, but it, it feels like everything's on sale. Um, so, you no know, matter amount of deals that are appearing, the amount of deals that are going to appear over the next 6, 12, 18 months, um, you know, everything is, is, is probably, if you're going to be getting deals, 15, 20%, you're probably going to get out of them. Rents are rising. Um, so, so, rents have gone from, I don't know, say, 550 2016 on a little three bed and that same three bed, you're probably now looking at 900, 925, something like that. So y- your yields are increasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the income, the return is increasing mm-hmm. and you're buying cheap. Now is the time to buy cheap. So I'm getting really excited about this this sort of period that we're, we're in. And, you know, there's, there's more runway there, you yeah. know, there's more um, I don't think this is going to get fixed tomorrow.
0: Yeah. What do you, what would you say to anybody who is saying um they're not seeing prices drop in their area yet?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a difference between asking prices and there's a difference between uh yeah the the prices that a property actually sells at. So that differential has grown in a big way. So the more you get in there with the agents, the more you use your sort of um, the people are, uh, you know, if you've got smart people around you or, you know, who, who actually do this on a daily basis, the more you use their strategies to to get in their market directly to vendors and to agents and 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 to get the deals, you'll notice you're getting, you might be getting now 15, 20% off what something was advertised. Maybe it was a little bit sort of overpriced uh, pre, you know, sort of pre all, all the problems. But, yeah, there's still lots of vendors asking for 2,000. and. Twenty-two prices, aren't they? And uh, those days are gone. Yeah.
0: When you say yeah. overpriced, by the way, I've noticed in my area, and something to watch yeah. out for at home is where some agents are saying to sellers, increase the asking price. Yeah. To take less, yes. because the buyer wants less. Yes. Are you seeing that? And should people be aware of that?
1: I think all the yeah. time. I mean, I go on right move Sold to see what stuff's actually selling at. The asking price to me is sort of, well, you know, what what does it mean? It it is irrelevant. Um, Whereas lots of people use that as their sort of baseline. Uh, But it's irrelevant, isn't it? It, it, I suppose it may be a little bit more relevant as to what the seller thinks they might get for it. Uh, But over a period of time, if it won't sell, then they have to just keep reducing the price if they want to sell it.
0: Jaspal's just asked in the chat, do you give any credence to the 18.6 year property cycle?
1: Well, no, uh, because it clearly isn't 18.6 years. It's different every time. Uh, You know, there was 1990, sort of 293, all the way to 2008. And this last time you could say it went from 2008 all the way through to, I don't know, 2022. Um, You know, it's slightly different, isn't it? But I'd say within the 10 to 20 years, um, you know, you will usually have a cycle that goes from from top to bottom or, or bottom to top. Um, but, you know, this is this is driven by so many sort of factors which, um, you know, we, we, we can't control. Um, Boris decides to spend a load of money, elongates the property cycle. 500 billion he spent through the pandemic, by the way, which probably get the property, kept the property cycle going another couple of years. Um, you know, the property cycle comes to an end. Because inflation lifts to ten percent off the back of a pandemic, well, when's the next pandemic? When's the next thing that's going to push interest rates up that much? That's going to end a property cycle. Um, You know, we had a Brexit referendum that sort of um, you know probably put the downers on London-specific you know areas where lots of Europeans lived. You know, there's all these things that pop out at various different points that will lengthen or shorten the cycle. So. To say it's 18.6 years each time is a nonsense.
0: That'd be like, <laughs> especially the point six as well. Uh, so, that that's
1: actually what set me off on the rant, that run.
0: Rant. <laughs> speaking of 18.6 yeah. years, though, yeah. Progressive, you and Rob founded Progressive about 17 years ago, yeah. which is almost. 17,
1: 17 years this December,
0: it wow. will be. Yeah. So yeah. were you doing property before that? And I guess what what first inspired you to get started in property? And yeah, how did you get started? OK,
1: so I started in property, I think it was around 2020, 2003. Um, so about about three years before Rob and I got started, I'd seen mates making a load of money from a, a big rising market. Went and bought overseas, bought off plan, new builds, loads of stuff that didn't work all around the world. And I started buying these kinds of terraces that we still have now. And, you know, we're just buying a few more now. Um, I started buying those in 2005 um, and really got heavily sort of purchasing those. Uh, And, you know, still buy them today. I think they're wonderful.
0: (laughs) Now, back in, Two thousand and five, six, seven, eight. Time single lets. Yeah. Over the last few years, you've done a lot more developments. Yeah. And we had a conversation a few months ago where you said you were going to start looking at single lets again. Yeah. And I know you've just done three. Yeah. So what do you for now? Do you see a bigger opportunity in sort of single let family homes? It does commercial still sort yeah. of work. I, um, well, I at? do.
1: I mean, it's quite interesting. In this uh, period now, interest rates have gone up. So they've gone up from, I don't know, let's say they're around 1%. Uh, now, uh, base rate is four. So your mortgage rate might be five. So they've gone up in a big way. If you go and look at industrial buildings, um, maybe offices around here or, or or maybe retail, they've not come down that much, but what is coming down are the little houses and the little flats. Um, and I'd say that's probably because the people who own those properties who have mortgages yep. are more um, sort of at risk from interest rate rises. Um, not, not all the properties are mortgaged in the country, but you know, there would be sort of other issues. They've got food going up, they've got energy bills going up, and they've got this hit on their mortgages. So you know, less the, the affordability is reduced, so people can't afford to pay as much uh, to buy a little house or a little flat, so the prices are coming down. Uh, and I say, I'd say, i say it's more affected than commercial at the moment, yeah. which has surprised me. Uh, but that just seems to be the reality, yeah.
0: When when you're looking at properties, you mentioned there of when you go to look at industrial units or look at commercial or look at yeah. residential, what are you doing when you look? What strategies are you using or what systems are you using? Yeah. Do you just like go in the newspaper or go on right move? What do you do to analyze a deal and, and evaluate whether it's a potential opportunity? Yeah.
1: So so obviously I've been doing this since sort of 2003 and. Maybe I've developed i think I've developed about six hundred thousand square foot of space so i don't know eighty million pounds worth of sort of properties we've owned a part of over the years so through that process obviously i I do get a certain amount in my gut and i'm 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 constantly trying to sort of put that into a formulaic process for others to follow uh, but i'll I'll start trying to list it out for you now so um that I'm constantly dealing with agents. So I'm talking to residential agents, I'm talking to commercial agents. The first thing that I'll be interested in is what yield a property is producing. So if it's a residential property, usually that means buying one at the lower end, Uh, probably not in the Bronx, but maybe one or two steps up. Uh, You can quite easily buy a house now around here, maybe 150,000 and it will rent at 900. So it's about 7% yield, which is pretty good. Um, you know, if I'm looking at HMO property, I'll probably want to make sure that I'm getting at least a 13% yield. Um, and with commercial buildings, it, it varies quite a lot according to the type of tenant and what it is, and there's various other things that you need to take into account, but um, yield for me is where it starts. Um, and if it's, you know, if, if we're talking about a commercial building or any building, it yields at 4%, I'm not interested, or even 5%. But if I can get sort of six plus seven eight, I mean you can find stuff with twenty percent. But then you you might have questions around you know are the tenants going to pay? Is that a really bad area? Is it never going to come right? All that sort of stuff. So that's really where I start the process.
0: When you speak about yield, there'll be a lot of people watching this. We've got hundreds online. Maybe some are brand new to property um and they don't even know what yield is so yeah. estate agents quite often will look at yield as annual rental income divided by and purchase that, price that's really
1: what i'm talking yeah. about it's 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 pretty broad brush do, it's you, a, do
0: you include stamp duty legals, no and... i'll
1: just go what's the gross yield because right. it's a good means of comparison and when you see a state agent saying oh that's six percent yield or seven percent that's what they've done they've taken what's the annual rent divided by the purchase price of the property right. um times by 100
0: and then for anyone new to this are, they, are you looking for the perfect house on the perfect street in perfect condition and just renting it out or are you looking for the shitty horrible smelly one
1: usually usually you always want to add value kevin uh it's so important um you know if you can buy stuff that's you know really knackered maybe still mortgageable so you can borrow on it but you know it's really knackered and unloved you'll get it cheaper um, you know, if, if there's no kitchen and no bathroom, it might not be mortgageable and you might have to get some investors in to buy it cash, but you might get it really, really cheap. We we bought one at auction once and um, you couldn't do any viewings. Um, so I sort of knocked on the door, gave the tenant a 20 quid viewing fee, he let me in. Uh, and I found that actually it wasn't burnt out and it was a perfectly good house. But of course, the other people bidding in the auction had to bid as though the thing was completely gutted inside. Um, so there's all these sort of little wise word tricks that you can employ when you really get into it and you know what you're doing. You're surrounded by the right people.
0: I, yeah. I love that because I have people a lot coming to me and they go, "How do you get direct to vendor?" And I always say, "Well, just go knock on the door. There's a good chance they're behind it." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about being brave. So yeah. um, regards direct to vendor over. You mentioned speaking to agents. Are you mentioned go- they're knocking on the door? I know yeah. there's a tenant in the house, but you got yeah. your viewing. Yeah do you do most of your stuff for your agents do you do stuff direct to vendor and which do you think gets the best deal
1: um well definitely without question the best deals we've ever done have been direct to vendor on on houses and flats um so percentage sort of discount but in terms of volume getting lots um they would have been from estate agents so it's a bit a bit of a mix really Um usually when you're direct to vendor you know you're cutting out the rest of the market you know there's less. Competition, less marketing um, so you can buy stuff very very cheap. Um, I bought stuff at 50 percent of value mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah you you need to put a lot of leaflets out and a lot of you know there, there's a lot more calls versus agent yeah. volume but yeah
0: bigger discount yeah,
1: yeah. can be can yeah. be huge yeah.
0: There's something for everybody listening is I see people a lot and they say, what's the best place to buy a property? Is it through an estate agent, is it a direct-to-vendor, or is it an auction? You can get good and bad deals through agents. You can get good and bad deals direct-to-vendor, and you can get good and bad deals through an auction if you don't know what you're doing. So it's about educating yourself and learning and understanding how to work out the yield and the return on your cash employed and knowing what is a good property deal. And then you can get them anywhere. Yeah. So um, do you just invest in Peterborough? In your local area or surrounding towns are you know i meet people a lot and they go scattergun they've got one yeah. in liverpool one in manchester one in leeds one in yeah. scotland so for anyone starting out and thinking where do i invest what what's your advice yeah i don't think it's great to
1: scattergun um, because you want to really have deep knowledge in an area you want to have lots of contacts with agents you want all your refurb guys you know you you, you want all your letting agents all those people as you go to a new area you've got to find them all again again. um and you know just driving down a road you know you pick stuff up you see a house you you maybe see some land or whatever there's a lot of value in trying to keep it within one area some people can't invest locally so they might have to drive to an area there's a lot of value in in just investing in in one sort of area um maybe within say 40 minutes um so we tend to try you know, we, we're in three towns around here. We're in Peterborough, Wellingborough, and Corby. Yep. But most of the stuff we do would be in Peterborough. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, lots of other people would would have a, a sort of town, a satellite half an hour away. Yeah. They can find a great refurb team. You know, they know all the local um, sort of estate agents and surveyors, um, you know, and and they can use them over and over again every time a deal comes in. I Means you haven't got to research and do a load of work each time a deal comes yeah. in. If, if you really know the agent, sorry, really know the area, an agent or someone says, oh, I've got this. And they say, how much is it? What is it? You can probably say immediately whether you want it or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody watching this now and they hear, oh, Mark and Rob invest in Peterborough, that must be the best area in the country. Do you invest in Peterborough because it's the best area in the country or do you invest here because that's where you're from? Well,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, we, we we live near here. So um, clearly this is, um, you know, the, the, a major reason for investing here. The yields are particularly good here because, um, you know, property prices are quite depressed here. Schools, um, you know the average wage is a lot lower you know than than sort of we're probably the cheapest place within 70 miles of 75 miles of London but that doesn't mean to say there aren't other good areas yeah. um there are stacks across the country that are really good but yeah clearly Peterborough we're, we're, you know I live 20 minutes from here of course th- that's a big reason
0: yeah uh, I don't invest in Peterborough never bought a house in Peterborough don't plan to buy a house in Peterborough and I've done okay in property in my area the area I'm from and a key messages like you know then people know their own area better than anybody else absolutely i guess yeah. one of the big skills is when you started did you already know the good streets and the bad streets and know um or have friends that knew builders that you could potentially trust and get recommendations
1: well of? yeah a little bit but of course local people uh, a little bit like you know when you go down the pub they 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 sort of put you off all the, the oh that's terrible you'll get stabbed down there and you know <laughs> all the tenants will set fire to your house and all this sort of stuff and actually they're they're often the areas you want to invest in because they're not as bad as these sort of preconceived ideas. Um, And lots of people in your town will want to live in those areas. So um, I have to take some of that with a pinch of salt. Um, Yeah, definitely with the refurb teams, You, you, you meet local people, you know them, agents you might have dealt with previously when you were buying your own home or whatever uh it just makes life a lot easier you know every time i drive to work i drive through you know certain areas i can take a a little detour and 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 come off and have a look at you know a street or somewhere where we bought whatever and just gain a little bit more knowledge see someone's moving out or you know find another deal whereas if it's the other side of the country Mm. might not be able to
0: that's a really good tip by the way for everybody watching if you're traveling anywhere in your local town if you always take the same route to the shop or the same route to work or whatever change your route Go a different way and you'll be surprised what you might see that's within a couple of streets of you. Um, Attica said, I'm just starting out now. How do I find an investor um, and how do I get one to invest in me? So for somebody looking to get started, looking to raise money, um, how would they find investors?
1: Well, really, it's about being credible uh, and showing that you can do the thing that makes the investor money and gets them their money back. So it's about trusting and um, you know it's about them feeling that you're competent in the mm. thing so you know i'd start out by you know going out seeing agents maybe putting some deals together uh try and you know cut your teeth get some experience get get you know a bit of a, a track record rolling maybe you start with rent to rent that gets your your track record going and then sort of start pushing that out to investors
0: yeah yeah for for a lot of people that may be watching thinking you mentioned the word credible and then the thought process can immediately be, well, how could I be credible? I've never bought a house before. So what would you define credible as? Um, somebody with a little bit of experience,
1: um, but you could get that without cash through say, rent to rent, or, you know, if you've got an investor on board, maybe you're doing all the work, maybe you're making it a lot easier for them to come in, you know, and not um, have to sort of find the property themselves and have to manage the workmen. You, you put the time in sweat equity to get it rolling. And then with that, and, and the rent rent deals and all the other stuff, you build your track record, which yeah. you can then sell to other investors.
0: Yeah, for anyone really starting out, everybody had to start with their first deal, right?
1: We were all born, you know, one day we came out of our mother's womb, we didn't know anything about any of this. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to approach investors. I didn't have any money. Uh, I started with very little money. Um, so yeah, you, you we'll are all we all start the same
0: way. And by the way, if you're renting, uh, you probably have more experience than somebody who never rented. So let's say somebody was born wealthy and they owned a house and then they just, mom and dad bought them a house and they never rented. Well, if you're renting, you understand what it's like to be a tenant. You understand what it's like to manage tenants and what tenants would expect from a landlord. So you have got experience. You've just got to bring it across to the other side and go to events. So where, how do I find investors? You're not gonna find them sitting on your sofa at home So if you think about this, just let me know in the comments, by the way, if you were a person with money and you wanted to find somebody to give that money to, would you just go on Google, find somebody to give the money to and not know who they were or what they did or not even know about property yourself? Or would you go to an event? Would you learn about property? And even though you don't want to find the deal yourself, you certainly want to know what a deal is. So what would you say to anybody who's watching this, Mark, who's got money and should they just give it willy nilly to somebody or should they educate themselves and understand what a deal is, even if they don't want to do the groundwork?
1: I I absolutely um, wholeheartedly believe that you the best way to make money out of this game is to get in there and at least learn it yourself and you know, because you're going to manage your money best, right, you're, you're, you're going to be most interested in making sure your money's safe, secure, and you're getting the highest return. So sort of educating yourself and, you know, getting, getting all the right trainings and, and making sure that you can develop yourself into that person who can go out and source the best deals and, you know, make the best investments, I think that's going to make you the most in the, well, in the medium and the long term
0: a uh, question from rush tam is houses over flats what's your thoughts definitely houses
1: um unless you can own the freehold for the flats so the yield the, the, the sort of gross yield may be higher with a flat but usually you've got to extend the lease um every server many years which costs you quite a lot and you've got big service charging ground rent and also you don't have control but if you own the freehold a lot of those problems go away so we've got flats um in blocks usually uh, where we own the freehold, they're great. Um we have some individual flats where with the leaseholders are uh, not so good. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um also just starting out, no, no, just start so Mark, sorry. Um, Linden Lyndon has said, what would your advice be somebody for somebody with a handful of single-let properties looking to scale their business? Uh do they should they continue to do more single lets? If they've got a handful, sounds like five would you continue to do more single lets would you do no, something else what nothing wrong
1: with single lets I mean I don't know that much about Lyndon's sort of circumstances but um he might want more cash flow he might decide to do some houses of multiple occupation high-end rooms on suites all that sort of stuff he could make say 500 to a thousand per month per room uh, in properties like that um he might decide to serviced accommodation you know maybe rent out on Airbnb you know his properties and increase his income that way or he may already have a good income stream somewhere else, and he's looking more as a capital strategy, capital growth over time. Single lets are great. You know, I'm still still buying them. Um, I'm still buying them. Yeah. yeah. Why Why would you stop buying single lets? Um, so you know, really, I think that's dependent on you know his your own sort of circumstances and your objectives. But um, yeah, you probably probably leave you probably leave less money was in with single lets, but it depends what it is, where it is, and what, what, what right. sort of prices you can buy it
0: um charlotte said how do you deal with capital gains tax when you sell now she's also pointed out she's yeah. only got one property and she's not looking forward to the debt okay
1: so, so okay so um i i generally don't sell um so you're probably going to be buying in a limited company so you wouldn't be paying capital gains tax you're going to be paying corporation tax which at the moment is 19% but very shortly going to 25% but there's a lot of opposition to that so I don't know how long it's going to stay there. Um, If you sell the property there's not a lot you can do, you've just got to pay the corporation tax, obviously the costs get, get deducted first but I don't really know why you'd want to sell properties, if you can sort of keep them financed maybe you let start start out at seventy five percent loan to value, so the loan is seventy five percent of the value of the property. Then maybe let it drift down, let inflation and father time sort of bring the debt down to sort of fifty percent. By the way, that will happen even if you don't have a capital repayment mortgage. Mm. Inflation will just push the value, the real value of the debt down. People don't uh, always realize that with uh, property investing, if you've got a little bit of debt on it, it can be a very very powerful thing. In fact, you can make more out of inflation, reducing the real value of the mortgage, then you can from capital growth in real terms. Um, very, very powerful. Um, so a little bit of debt's a good thing. You don't want to over leverage, uh, but I would usually try and get most or all of my money back. So I'd probably go to 75% initially and then just let it go down to 50, re-leverage back to 50. Um, you know, it gives you a good pot to work out if a bank comes
0: knocking one day. And take that advice on board, because I took that advice on board a few years ago from Mark, I leveraged up to 75 85% mortgages when you could get 85 75 80s 80 now just leveraged up high to get started because you got to and then just let it gradually go down over time. And I'm now at about 54 55% loan to value. So that means I can I've got emergency money or opportunity money if you need to have opportunity money. Um, on that. I get a lot of people, Mark, that talk about on that back of that question about um, what about the income tax or what about the capital gains tax? Um, Isn't tax just paid on profit? I mean, are they saying I don't want to do property because if I do, I might make money and have to pay tax. I'd rather not do property and not make any money because I don't want to pay tax on profit. Well, if if
1: taxes, let's say you lose half your money to tax, which is maybe about right, um, then you still get to keep half of it, don't yeah, you? It's still so, profit, right? yeah. so, so if you're making £100 yeah. and you've got to pay 50% tax, yes, you know, you've got to pay £50 away in tax, but you get to keep the other 50. And if you didn't do it, you'd lose the 50 in tax, or should I say you'll lose the 50 that you were going to keep anyway. So uh, it's still worth doing. Uh, for sure, for sure,
0: you know the fifty percent you keep. could you then yeah. use some of that to hire a really good tax advisor well, absolutely uh, help you keep more than fifty absolutely and and actually, in that scenario it 's better
1: than fifty because in the company you 're probably getting taxed or will be taxed twenty five percent so you know'll you, your money will come into the company. Um, you make your profit. You make your hundred pounds worth of profit. The tax advisor and all those other people, their costs get offset. They get taken off the profit. So you're never going to pay tax on that money that you paid to them. You're just going to be paid, paying tax on the money that's left yeah. over. Um, and absolutely, you, you get a good accountant. The allowances. You know, you can pay forty grand a year into a pension, tax free. Um, you can. Um, there's loads of sort of stuff. You things you can do to. Reduce and, and and sort of use maybe capital allowances or land remediation relief if you're doing developments so, or um, yeah you, you need a really 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 good accountant. Um, you're still going to be paying tax. You're still going to be paying you know a reasonable amount, but you you'll be doing quite a bit better than the fifty percent. I think. Mean.
0: Would you like to have a I don't know. You probably do have actually, but would you like to have a multi-million pound a year tax bill or no tax bill?
1: Uh, <laughs> do you want the honest answer or the uh the sort of answer that honest all the honest answer or the, no, the real you. answer well of
0: course yeah. i'd love uh, i'd love not to pay any tax at all but if uh, but it's were... not
1: realistic is yeah. it it's not realistic um if you had a
0: five million pound tax bill what would that mean for your business
1: uh five million pound tax bill means that i buy
0: what would it invest mean in terms less? Of how much money you've made that year i mean well we we
1: Well, it would mean I made a lot of money that year, wouldn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's my point. (laughs) Who would like, by the way, in the chat, let me know who'd love a five million pound tax bill? Yeah, Because you're going to made a lot of money. You're going to made a lot of money. Of course, all of us would love to have no tax, but we'd also, let's really think about it, love a big tax bill, right? You would, right? You'd love a big tax bill, but there is ways capital allowances. What Your big building do you want to share how much capital allowances you could get
1: yeah so i think just on this is in very very round terms because i haven't got all the numbers yeah. in front of us but something like um it was about 20 and 20. so now i think actually I think it was 30. so that's probably 1.2 and then another I think maybe we claim three, three and a half million in capital right. allowances, something like that. So three yeah. and
0: a half million capital allowances. Capital yeah. allowances, by the way, can be claimed on commercial property or serviced accommodation. Um and other stuff, but you could three and a half million pound capital allowances, yeah. that means the first three and a half million quid or the next three and a half million quid you earn, you pay no tax on it. Uh yes, in the company. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not bad.
1: So three and a half millions worth of profit,
0: yeah. then there's, yeah, no, right. no tax to pay, yeah. Going, going back from big commercial conversion stuff, Stuart's just said, please define rent rent-to-rent. to rent. So rent to rent is very simple. You rent a property off a landlord, and then you just rent it out to other people, or like companies or serviced accommodation. So you could Airbnb it, you could bookie.com it, you could HMO it, you could single let it. Rather than buy to rent, you're just renting someone else's house and renting it out. You're technically a letting agent without a shop under a certain type of contract, so it allows you, rather than pay a mortgage to a bank, you can pay a rent to a landlord and make money. Great way to get started. Read my No Money Down book or come along to one of my events. I teach a lot of people about rent to rent. Uh, lots of stuff you can learn about. If you're interested, just hang on to the end, I'll tell you a bit more about it. We'll do a Q&A on some of that stuff. Um, what if you have no experience whatsoever? So if you're starting out right now, 2023, no experience, straight out of school, for instance, what would you do today to get going? If you were to start all over again, what would you do?
1: If I was starting out uh, all over again, I would buy property earlier. Um, so, you know, in my my dad tried to put me off a bit because he wasn't really into oh mortgages and new around your neck all that sort of stuff. If I could have got started at 18, I would have done. Um, I'd have got started with a little single lets. So I'd have probably followed a similar journey, getting into HMOs nice and early. Um, and um, yeah, I'd have, I'd have tried to start doing some conversions and, and buying some commercial buildings as well. Um, back in the day because the earlier you start and the sort of more good investments you make it just gets compounded farther time inflation will just reduce the real value of the debt increase your cash flow uh, and you'll be making more and more money it just compounds over over a longer period so you want to get started as early as possible remember though you can't turn back time course you know we all have regrets including me i didn't really get started till i was 23 i wish i'd been sort of 18 in fact i wish my dad had let me put sort of stuff into a trust and i could have started at 15 because that's when i started investing but i didn't really understand how to do this
0: Yeah. yeah um my son has gone to uni in bristol and he's paying a fortune on rent he's thinking about buying a property from he's not from there he's from loughton should he buy a property for his son and rent it out to his mates at uni and how would he go about it
1: well that's exactly what I'll be trying to get my son to do um I went to university in Bristol um I lived in the center of Bristol uh, just off Victoria Street for, for a little while and then I moved to um in fact no I started in a horrible house in um, Hawfield um and what I wish I'd done is go and buy one of those terraced houses in an area like that uh, and rent all the rooms out and yes of course you're your son could could go and buy a property if he's over eighteen. Maybe you guarantee the mortgage. There are various different products, um, and he could probably rent the rooms out to you know other students, his friends, um, and um, you know pay the mortgage with their rent, and he could live there rent free. Uh, and of course, in return for him managing them and collecting the rent and making sure that every, everything's working properly, um, he gets you know no he he gets to sort of live in a house rent free. Um, if there's more than four tenants, um, it, it will always need licensing if, if they're unrelated. Um, but um, I don't know, there might be additional licensing in Bristol as well, so it may still need a license. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's various, you know, fire and sort of health and safety things you need to make sure you adhere to, but you can get people to help you do that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of worse places than Bristol to start a pro- yeah. property portfolio. It's also
0: a great way to teach your son how to manage property. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and that's the first thing I'll yeah. be doing. You know, I, I'll, I'll have my deposit ready. Yeah. for Freddie, when he's 18 and either he's going to go to university or if he lives somewhere hopefully near where we are uh then i'm going to want him to go and buy a house live in it uh, i think his mum's on board with it and he can collect the rent uh what a great way to learn how to
0: manage tenants he's kicking him out already <laughs> he's getting rid of him. he's planning for getting rid of him it's well, true i am too you got well, to
1: well he will probably he'll probably sort of I'll have a room there, and he'll probably come home and What's stay. What's really going to happen is have, have, he's going to be
0: renting out rooms yeah. in Mark's house. That's what will be having. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those
1: years are gone. <laughs> he'll be bad for his dinner, won't he? Yeah. <clears throat>
0: William has said, "Why refinance at fifty percent?" So Mark didn't say refinance at fifty percent. So you'd buy the house, refurbish yeah. it, refinance it at seventy five percent. Yeah, get your money out, and then let time. So you hear a lot of advice, and I'm not, I, I, I don't agree with this advice a yeah. lot, Mark. I'm not sure your thoughts are where you go buy, refurbish, rent, refinance, get your money out, and then yeah. refinance, refinance, refinance. Oh no, um,
1: you're just creating more, more stress, stress and, yeah. and risk, and and, and yeah. I mean things change don't they property values are dropping a little oh. bit, and if we refinanced all of ours at 75% now yeah. the market is dropping a bit. On the more recent ones we'd be exposed and yeah. a bank might come along and ask for money back and all this sort of stuff so. yeah I just think you're storing up more stress for yeah. the future and and giving yourself less room for maneuver yeah. when the market takes a downturn like now. You know we're not in a bad position yeah. you're not in a bad position, we can go out and buy you know take advantage of this buy lots of properties even though the value of our properties is dropping a little bit you know really only going back to probably i don't know the value there were at early 2020 but there is an opportunity here the rents are much higher yeah. than they were so you, <clears throat> you, you know you can leverage more so yeah i i, I mean i'll just let, let's use a, another little example my my uncle bought his house in let, let's just say he bought it in 1970 and let's say it cost him three and a half thousand pounds and let's just say that he uh, decided, well, he, he was forced to go on a repayment mortgage, yeah. yeah, so he he repaid that mortgage every single month, all the way from, say, 1970, and then 25 years later, the the bank came along, uh, sorry, 25 years later, the, the bank sort of confirmed to him that he paid his mortgage off, okay, so every month he was, and my, my numbers will be completely wrong, and I've been chastised for this before, I, I haven't worked out all the numbers, but Let's just say, for argument's sake, his mortgage was £150 a month, and let's just say the interest-only version was was £100 a month, so he's paying £50 worth of capital and a hundred's worth of interest, that extra £50 a month that he had to spend all the way through those 25 years was, um, you know, pretty pretty hard for him you know it would mean he, they wouldn't have holidays away or meals out and all that sort of stuff because money was worth so much more back then because there's been so much inflation all the way through if he'd paid interest only at hundred a month he'd have had that 50 quid and at the end of 25 years he could have paid off his whole mortgage which would be how much three thousand pounds at the end of 25 years with one paycheck why is that because you know when, when he started um you know with um you know when he purchased property originally because um you know the been this was 25 years before the value of money was so much higher and therefore um you know his his salary was a lot lot lower than it would be today, even if he's doing the same job and he hadn't had any real terms pay increases. So, you know, you you fast forward on 25 years, you know, he's, he's earning a lot, lot more money for the same job. Uh, let's say they're not actually paying him anymore in real terms, it's just the value of money has dropped. But when the value of money has dropped, does the, does the, the absolute, does the amount of your mortgage, does that change? No, the amount of your mortgage stays the same, but the value of it, drops in 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 such a big way over time inflation will erode the value of those mortgages so what will happen is you know you'll have a house say i bought a house in 2005 i was discussing this with a friend the other day and i spent 77k on that house i worked out just in inflation you know just after inflation that 77,000 in 2022 according to the bank of england website was worth about 130K, or, or should I say um, 77K in today's, in, in, in today's money would be 130K. So, you know, if I'd taken out 100% mortgage, that would still be 77K. And at the time when I took it out, that was 100% loan to value. Hmm. But today, 77,000 of it's 130, yeah, it, you're yeah, better at this than me, Kevin, aren't you? Uh, it is. 59%. 59. So so therefore the loan to value on that property from 2005 to 2022 59%. has dropped to 59%. But on top of that there's actually been market growth which has outpaced inflation so that house is actually worth 170. Um so you know the 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 the, the real loan to value on that property now is 45%. So that's gone from 100% to 45% uh without me paying a penny of that mortgage off that's just inflation and market growth
0: eighth wonder of the world inflation uh, i have a simple rule to sum up all of that and i've stuck it in my brain for the rest of my life since i came here 10 years ago take out what you put in and then let inflation take care of the rest absolutely yeah so um loads of stuff coming through there but i want to come back to one of the things i've written down to ask you while i'm here is is. How do you stay up to the date with the latest trends and changes in the property market? There's so much change, especially in the last yeah. couple of years. So, How do you keep up to date? Okay, so
1: that's about surrounding yourself with people that are doing what you want to be doing, H- having really good mentors and sort of academy members and other people that are, are, are into what you're into because they are finding out a lot of the things that you need to know. And you can then use you know the stuff that you find out to sort of trade with others who are in these sort of circles Uh, give them value so you get value back Um, so there's a lot of value in doing that I read the FT every day Um, I get a lot out of that I have an economics degree so I find it interesting but there's always a lot of stuff about inflation about interest rates about macroeconomics Uh, you know it's worth reading Uh, there's a lot in there Um, I always I I network with sort of local property investors who have got big portfolios much bigger than 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 we've got you know, and I'm 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 just constantly reading uh, and constantly talking to agents. I do sort of learn, you know, various bits from agents, and um, you know, I see what's happening locally in the market. But you know, tax, uh, you need a great accountant. You need to surround yourself probably with two or three, and then sort of when one gives you an idea, maybe you give that idea to some of the others, and then you know, you swap them around, and uh, there's always a bit of value in that.
0: Yeah going on to about tax and accountants vish has said his my retired parents and a lot of us will have parents and and maybe towards retirement ourselves my retired parents have a 1.1 million pound house mortgage free and would like some ideas to help them out um i guess Vito vish sorry you're, you're thinking about inheritance tax etc <clears throat> what would you what there's lots you could do here but what sort of advice would you give this? um
1: well maybe they could take out a a low-cost mortgage i don't know maybe maybe they release I don't know, a few hundred thousand um you know which could go into investment uh they could gift it to you uh, as an early um uh, you know early inheritance then it's outside of their estate um you know you can get mortgages for sort of older people now um you know since the credit crunch they've they've come back uh, and there are longer mortgages as well so that's where i'd start because that's probably the cheapest there is equity release as well but i'd say it's a lot more expensive and mm. i i i just i i don't like that sort of thing generally the, the
0: yeah. cha- I, i'd also avoid equity release. the challenge yeah. with equity release and many people don't realize this and you should probably let them know before they make the choice yeah. is that it's compounding yeah and because you get the equity out now you're charged interest on it but they don't charge you monthly it just rolls up yeah. and then when you die they take they you owe what you borrowed plus they rolled up interest and i know people that did equity release and they've literally owed got the nothing. entire value they got nothing left yeah and they did it to give something to their kids and ended up with nothing to give the kids
1: yeah so, and, and and do you know what kevin is right um yeah yeah don't do equity release yeah. what
0: about <laughs> the reason why mark said about them mortgaging their house yeah is just for anyone watching who's brand new yeah. and doesn't understand uh, finance yet enough yeah. in terms of what you're talking about in economics uh, inheritance tax 350 grand per person per parent
1: well 300 and- yeah i mean there's a, there's a few other things that go in the pot like your home um and the the sort of an allowance for two of you so if you sort of cobble it all together it's probably about a million pounds for a couple yeah um but yeah, you, but anything that they release to you now or, or, or gift to you now, mm. as long as they live seven years, it actually comes out of that number anyway. So if they start to transfer money over early, um, then, yeah. um, you know, it's going to come outside of their estate and there's going to be less inheritance tax to mm. pay. As long as you don't go and you get, waste it. Or, you get
0: 350 grand each on yeah. the home, isn't it? 325 each? Uh, Around. I, I can't, I can't yeah. remember the Let's exact say, number. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Let's say 350 yeah. grand each on a home, 700 grand. So, if, if you've got a 1.1 1 million, 0.1 million pound home, there's 400 grand of potential inheritance tax. But if your parents took a 400 grand mortgage, there's only 700 grand of equity now. So there'd be no inheritance tax, but you've got to get a tax advisor. But that's the idea of why Mark said take a mortgage yeah. or gift it um, or set up a trust.
1: You could set up a trust i mean there are tax consequences there's income tax to pay in a trust and um you, we've got some amazing accountants that can help with all this sort of stuff but you have got to sit down with them and go through everything in, in detail rather than us just because yeah. there's so many sort of tiers to this and and the 325 350 is definitely there but then you've got your home and other things come and uh, you know are you a couple are you married all that comes into the pot so the accountant's got to sort of work it all out but um you know, in, in, in round terms, it's probably about a million for the pair, you know, if they're married for a couple. But um, there are loads and loads of different ways of of, of of getting that money out. One, just gifting seven years before. And remember, if, if, if one or both died sort of five years later, you haven't lost all of it. You know, it's uh, prorated. Um So yeah. gifts can be a good way to um, sort of deal with this.
0: The other thing Diane's just said there about—I think my mother did equity release twenty years ago, but she can't even remember now because she's got dementia. Um, so th- stuff can happen, and, and yeah, you need to make sure that when your parents are doing stuff, that you're communicating with them, or if you are the parent, that you're communicating with your kids what you're doing. I asked you earlier about financial risk, yeah, and you gave us a really good answer. What about your biggest financial failure? Oh. Has Mark Homer made mistakes? That's what of course. I know. Of
1: course. I mean, I used a contractor, uh, a main contractor that went bust and I lost about £300,000. Um, it happens. Um, but, you know, out of that, sort of, you know, ended up, you know, building a project myself and taking on subbies and and, and I probably, you know, wound the money back in through that process. Um, you know there's been various things with the banks over the years, um, you know, the tax changes section 24 that probably cost us quite a lot in. You know, dealing with accountants and, and having to move properties out of our personal name into limited companies um, pandemic pandemic must have lost us quite a lot of money, you know this mm-hmm. training business got. sort of partially shut down um, so that cost us big time, big mm-hmm. time, in fact that's probably been the biggest sort of cost in our business. Um government induced uh government induced failure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um Nuk- Nukuelko says, What's the best way of learning concepts? Um we run an event called Multiple Streams of Property Income. N- I think it's Nukuelco. I'm gonna call you Unlove Cause I know your surname, because Peter Unlove used to play football years ago and I like my football. So um best way is get yourself to a multiple streams of property income event. Regressive run a three-day event, it's the flagship event in the UK. Um Ask the team about it. Post, put your details in the comments or something. Get, if you're interested, put your phone number and email in the chat box and I can get one of the team to contact you. And that's not just fun love for anybody. If you're interested in knowing a bit more about multiple streams of property income, then just put your phone number, email, or whatever in the chat box. But it's a three-day event where you'll learn all about getting started in property, the various different property investment techniques, tax systems, etc. Uh, so definitely look at doing that. That's where I started back in 2012, 2013. Many of the biggest property investors in the UK started there. Um, and I said, I'll hang on at the end as well, once Mark's moved on and I'll do a QA and a with you on loads of other stuff too. But so what about saving? So best tip on money saving hacks. So for somebody who's maybe not saving what they could or should or not saving anything, what could they do as a hack to try and save more money?
1: save more money personally well i mean i suppose the first first thing i do i go through all your insurances so i'd i'd get on uh confused.com go compare um you know I'd, I'd 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 make sure you know i was saving as much as i could there um i'd make sure that i was investing any cash that i had to make sure my savings were generating the best return before i went and bought property so that would be putting it into trackers in vanguard or, or in Hargreaves, Lansdowne. Um, I would go through all of your properties or your, your, your home, make sure you know, the gas and the electric, the amount you're, you're spending on that, make sure you're getting the best deal um, from you know, the um, different sort of providers. Um, I would probably focus um, you know, in, a, in, in, in a big way on any debt that you've got and consolidating that into a lower rate loan um, so, you might refinance that debt and then put it onto you know your mortgage or an investment property um, you know that that can save people a lot of money and then free up cash or you know credit line to go and buy investment property um, yeah they 're they're, they're sort of the main sort of personal ones that I would focus on yeah and then obviously in your business there 's all sorts there's you know, you, you need the right phone systems, the right printers, the right stuff. You've, you've got to focus on all this stuff, you know, in in, in detail because um, pennies make pounds.
0: Do you think you'd have built the business you'd have built? Um, you know, when you hear people, and they say, um, I'm self-made. Do you think you'd have done it? Are you self-made? Would you have done it alone? Do you think you'd have what you have if you um, just did everything yourself and didn't have, you know, business partners like Rob's a team? Uh, mentors etc
1: absolutely not I mean you know I I I wouldn't have you know I definitely wouldn't have half I wouldn't even have quarter of the, the the business that I have if it weren't for the likes of Rob my my original JV partner and now business partner um you know all the 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 wealth of knowledge that I've got from sort of different mentors and courses that I've been on and different sort of relationships that I've got with other people uh, because of course the 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 sum of the the parts is, is is greater than the sort of component totals um which you know, makes a, a massive difference it multiplies up you know all, all this knowledge you have you add it to a little bit of knowledge from somewhere else and you know someone else's ability to sell and then you know somebody else's ability to manage teams and you you end up with you know a 10 million pound business instead of a £1 million pound business on your own
0: hmm. <clears throat> daniel's gone he, he... He understands what you said about the, um, you know, the inflation stuff. Yeah. But he doesn't th- see that happening in the future. But have a think, that I've
1: heard that so many yeah. times before. Do you remember so when many times My before. dad
0: used to earn about complete two pounds yeah. pound a day. Yeah. I started my first ever job in the 90s yeah. on 20 quid a day. Yeah. People today won't work for 200 <laughs> quid a day.
1: Yeah. Why uh, is it not say? possible? I understand this, but it's very unlikely that in 25 years' time, you can pay 200K or even 100K off in one payment uh um, I mean, people
0: could earn two thousand pound a day in Oh, I see
1: I see what you say. Yeah. so so you're so not we going to be two pound a day to yeah, yeah. 20 pound a day to yeah, yeah. 200 pound a day yeah.
0: is okay. there any reason okay, why not, somebody could not earn two grand a day yeah all
1: right not one payment three mortgage payments then but two a, grand sorry a day, three salary payments
0: two grand a day it'd be yeah. 10 grand a week yeah which would be 40 grand a month yeah there's no reason why somebody wouldn't be earning that if we went from two pound a, yeah. a day to 200 to 20 pound a day to 200 pound a day yeah and in my lifetime we've gone from 20 quid a day and my lifetime's only at the beginning 20 pound a day to 200 quid a day i'll probably still be alive before it goes to 2000 pound a day because yeah. my dad was alive at 2 pound a day he was alive at shillings he was born when there were shillings
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> inflation at the moment is 10% per annum so a pound uh today is worth 90p in a year's time so yes inflation should be falling and the bank of england predicts that you know it's going to go down say to two percent within about 18 months i think it's quite unlikely i think the more likely scenario is we end up at four percent uh around that number and it may sit there for a little while four percent compounded over a long period of time is huge it's not just four times ten years equals forty percent it's 4% on the 4%, on the 4%, on the 4%, haven't got a calculator, but, you know, over 25 years, that will be a really, really big number. Um, And um, yes, okay, it might not be, you know, my uncle might not, if he was living now, might not have been able to pay off his mortgage with one paycheck. It might be two paychecks or three. The point is that over time, the value uh, of inflation eroding, reducing the, 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 the real amount of money that you've borrowed, is huge even if you don't pay it off Mm. even if you don't pay a penny off because money devalues over time the cash in your savings account devalues over time the 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 exact opposite the inverse Mm. happens on a mortgage the money that you've borrowed yeah so you know the power of this is huge
0: and you could say oh well i can't see that happening in the next 10 15 20 years but If you then do nothing, you're falling behind because inflation's killing your money. But if you did something and it didn't happen, it's like aim for the stars. And if you reach the sky, you win. If you reach, you know, you're you're still ahead, aren't you? Yeah. If you do something so.
1: Oh, someone's put, Marcus has put, move the decimal point one place every 40 years for wages. That's maybe quite a nice Mm. way of looking at it. Yeah. Maybe I should work that out. A locum health professional here gets 250 pounds a day. Their wage has not changed since 2003. Well, it's probably not a bad wage. (laughs) um but i have fortunately branched out to other incomes thank god yes and and definitely there are you know there are certain wages where you know people were getting a lot i mean i suspect in 2003 250 quid a day was a lot um and now it's still good but you know not not quite the massive number that it was um but over time it will probably re- revert to the mean uh it will revert to the the sort of trend line uh yeah there are there are lots of sort of jobs like that or, yeah. or, or, or professions yeah. like and, that and yeah. everything's
0: relative but it's all definitely going the way that you got to get started because if you stand still you're going to get run over
1: yeah so stockbrokers stock used to earn loads in the 80s didn't they investment bankers used to yeah. earn loads in the noughties uh, and now, you know, people are onto something else, being being property investors, you know, these things change.
0: Tips for finding the right business partner.
1: Oh, God. Well, the first thing is you need to be and able was to... Was Mark Rob more the right one? I mean. uh, first thing is you need to be able to trust them. Um, the second thing is, and this is huge, they need to have different skill sets to you. Um, so with Rob and I, it's quite simple. He is a brilliant marketer. He's a brilliant salesman. He's actually very positive, uh, you know, and he'll he'll often push us into things that I might not want to do. Um, but conversely, you know, I'll be good at other stuff. I don't know, finance, money, um, you know, working working out how to sort of invest in, in properties and all this sort of stuff, stuff that he's not so focused on and, and, and probably doesn't enjoy so much. So you've got to find someone really different who's got a load of skills, which you need in your business and in your investments uh, so that when you put your skills together with theirs, you get a much greater hole.